Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show, the podcast that's just like Elgin's pitch, too dry. I'm Andrew Slavin, this weekend we saw a thriller at Fur Park, lift off for Livingston and a delightful day for Dobby at Falkirk. Later on we'll be joined by Jonathan Northcroft from the Sunday Times as the eyes of the football world turn towards the first Old Firm derby of the season next Sunday. Former Hib striker Tam McManus will also be with us after his old club went toe-to-toe with Aberdeen at Easter Road and will be heading to the Highlands to solve the mystery of the team with the minus 52 goal difference. Alongside me is JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Joining us in the studio this week, a former Skyman. I don't mean he installs your dishes, it's Callum Stewart. Hi mate. How you doing? Good, You're good. a Partick Thistle fan, how did they get on this weekend? Not great, we were playing... <laughs> Playing Dundee United away from home, got pumped 3 1. Oh. Yeah, not great at all. Did we, you see the game? I didn't. My old man was up though, and mm. um, he went, so he gave me a full rundown Saturday night, which took about an hour. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was interesting listening. What was the synopsis? Um, we were 1 0 we were, we were down after six minutes, um, and then both their, like, their first two goals just balls into the box, just nothing balls into the box, and we're just right now. Defensively, were very fragile. I mean, the one sort of good thing was Miles Story mm-hmm. on the wing. Mm-hmm. He was very good, supposedly. So, five or six times, just beat his man. Great ball into the box. Nobody there. No striker. So I've seen him play quite a few games, and he did nothing like that in any of them. Really? Yeah, that's good. He's fine. His it's, yeah, level I, maybe, I, I don't know. Don't know if it's maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's his level. Maybe the position as well. Because the kind of I think the way we sort of set up. We're playing more two wingers mm-hmm. and then one up top, but yeah, we need we, we need a striker. We need someone. You said you need to sign a striker, but you've signed a striker. Yes, but cool. can he play for you? Yeah. Killer Bali. <laughs> yes, um, international clearance. I think Scottish FA, Egyptian FA are currently talking to try and get him clearance. But yeah, until then, I don't think he can play for the club. So why did you? What? <laughs> no, I know. I, I don't know. It's complicated legal matters. Is it the case of if you played them, then you get fined? Then you would get. Fi- is it a fine the, about a million or something like that? See, something crazy. Is that just a calculated risk that it's kind of like, <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Well, regardless of the result at Celtic Park next Sunday, everyone is chasing hearts right now. Victory at Kilmarnock on Saturday maintained Midlothian's 100% record. Craig Levine's men are still top of the league. Uchi Ikpiazu headed home the winner with nine minutes to go at Rugby Park. Credit to Skene on YouTube for the tune. We're joined now by Graham Ruffin from The Scotsman, amongst other publications. Graham, first things first, um, Craig Levine was in hospital this morning. Can you can you kind of explain uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, kind of... Th- th- there's not been much information on that from Hearts other than um, he was taken into to hospital. I think overnight he seems to be um, stable. I don't think, obviously, you don't want to, to jump the gun too much on, on this um, before you hear any solid news, but... 
seems to be doing okay, seems to be stable. And um, the club have asked that there's there's not so much speculation at this time. So I don't know whether they'll we'll hear more about that or not. But it's good to hear that. I think at this stage it's not so serious. And of course, everyone at the Totally Scottish Football Show wishes Craig Levine a very speedy recovery. Let's talk about that man, Ike Piazzu. Um, that was his first Premiership goal, but he's been so impressive since signing from Cambridge. It was a stunning header. Yes, it was a game that seemed to, to be honest, not to be heading um, anywhere sort of too exciting at all until the until the sending off, mm-hmm. which changed changed the game completely. I think um, Steve Clark after the game said that he felt fairly comfortable that Kilmarnock would at least get a point out of the game, and I think that was the the general consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, that the sending off of of Gary Dicker, which of course has has caused a bit of a stir, uh, Willie Collum at it again. Uh, there's not a a week goes by without uh, Willie Collum, Scotland's most famous PE teacher, making headlines. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, I don't think it was a a red card. I think what he has seen is the 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 the, the trailing leg of Dicker kind of coming round the back of the challenge. Um, I, th- I think Dicker's leg almost gets kind of caught on top of the ball, which actually I know there's been a lot of talk of artificial pitches. I think is. Mm. Maybe something to do with the pit, the artificial pitch. It kind of rolls on on top over the ball, like it, it maybe wouldn't do in a grass pitch. So I think it was maybe a a bit of a a, a poor decision. Um, but from there, I thought Hearts were impressive in that they had to break down a Kilmarnock side that, beyond that point, showed very little ambition. They were quite happy to play for a point, and maybe last season Hearts would have drawn that game. It was such a powerful header from a powerful man, um, Ig Piazzo, who's looked fantastic um, since he started at Hearts. It's just such a good goal to watch. It is. I've no idea how he gets the power on that right. on that header from. I think it's around the edge of the box. Yeah. yeah. The, the the cross is. I mean, it's a good it's a good cross from from. I think it was Haring that put it in. Um, it was, yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, I think that area is, is maybe where Dicker would have been on the pitch. He had so much space on the pitch to get that cross in, into the to the edge of the box. But I mean, to stick that ball where he put it, uh, Piazzo is is is, in, is incredible. He's he looks great. Um, and actually, I, I know Hearts have just lost Kyle Lafferty, but between Ekpiezu and, and uh, McLean, who's an intelligent link-up player, and then there's talk of Osman So coming back to, mm. to Hearts, a bit of pace there. I mean, I, I think they'll be okay. Do you think there's any chance, I mean, it looks sort of like it now, that Hearts could actually push for a, for a, a title? For the title? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, giving well, him a, I'm giving him a look right now as well. <laughs> Right. <laughs> hey, look, Leicester won it once in England. That's true. It's know? absolutely true. I would, I would like for a challenge from yeah. from other clubs. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't seriously mean they can actually push the title, right? But they can, for a long time, the way that Aberdeen maybe have in past years, push. Uh, well, it's probably five clubs who can be in amongst it for a long time this season. I would have thought. Go the distance. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I, I think the, the 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 key is consistency for every team, and Hearts have been the most consistent team so far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, I would maybe consider Celtic and Rangers to maybe be, I know we've said this about Rangers before, but I think they maybe will be a step above the kind of chasing pack. And then I think Aberdeen, Hibs and Hearts, of those three right now, Hearts, I think, probably look the best. I know Aberdeen have had kind of uh, tougher tougher fixtures, had Rangers on, on the opening day. Um, but I think over time, the big one for them will be Christoph Berra, how long he's out for. I think, yeah. obviously, he's he's arguably the best centre-back in Scotland. Certainly was one of them last season. Um, but then you, you offset that with the signing of uh, Dimitri Mitchell, which I think is a massive coup to get him from, from Manchester United. I, I thought, um, obviously, he was very good last season before he got injured. 
I thought he might get an English Championship move. He was in the Manchester United pre-season squad. I don't think he's going to be you know, a first-team figure at Manchester United ever, really, but he's certainly in the thoughts of those at Old Trafford. So for Hearts to get him back is, is, is fantastic. I think we should uh, talk about the man of the match, though, which is uh, Willie Collum. He likes to be in the headlines, I think. Yes. Graham, do you think there's no way that it could possibly be a red card? And why do you think he's got his hand in his pocket so quickly? Um, I I can see this is a this is a difficult one. I'll try and break it down. <laughs> I don't think it's a red card. However, I can see maybe why he's thought it's a red card because there's that that kind of pincer movement through the back. Yeah. The, the thing is, I I don't think he actually does catch him with his with the the leg round the back. So I I don't think that's really a factor. I, why he's so quick to get his his card out of his pocket, and this is something. Willie Collum has has got a bit of a history of. Oh, he loves it. Um, yeah. Just take a just take a five seconds or, or or even longer just to either consult with your officials or or just maybe go over it in your head or something. He he, he has got a history of this, but I mean, this game that, that was that incident was quite reflective of that game. It was a very strange game. It was like watching people play Twister for ninety minutes. Honestly, there was legs everywhere, all falling <laughs> over each other at times. Um, but yeah, I think a strange decision. Not so much the decision, but the way he made the decision from Willie Collum. I think I think when you go through that incident frame by frame, and you mentioned it, uh, Graham, if his leg looks like it goes over the ball, so his leg is actually very high. It's weirdly really, it's a standing leg as well, so yeah. it goes straight out, so yeah. it looks worse. So if you watch that in real time again, probably Clark is quite right to come out and say that the appeal will, will go in Kamarnik's favour. Oh, there's no way that can get rescinded. I am actually a little bit worried about Command. Not so much, not too worried. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the, the bottom of the table or anything like that. No. But I, I do worry if they're going to, they're not going to be able to build on last season when obviously they were excellent. Um, teams have maybe improved and they've they've stood still. And I've watched them a couple times, two or three times this season. And I, I just think they struggle for a for a difference maker, a, a, a bit of a bit of flair. And we saw that in the, the game. I think it was against Livingston where I watched them. It was exactly the same sort of thing. I don't think. Rugby Park's maybe the place to go for thrills this season. They're a very well-drilled, well-coached side, but beyond um, kind of their defensive organisation, obviously losing Malumbu in the in the in the summer has has been a big blow. I do worry about the supply line up to Boyd um, as one of the things I worry about them. Let's have a final word on Hearts. John Suter um, got his first Scotland call up as we record this for the matches against Belgium and Albania. Um, what do you think about that? I'm pleased. I think it's overdue. I think obviously Craig Levine was uh, quite mischievous with some of his comments about a Scottish granny last week. Um, <laughs> and when pressed on it, oh, have you, have, have, so have the Australian FA made an approach? No, no. I was just mentioning off the cuff that he has a Scottish granny. When <laughs> um, obviously he was called up to the, the Scottish under 21 team and he was making the point that he should be called up to the senior team, which has now happened, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John Souter is, a, is, a, is an excellent young prospect. I think what is encouraging about him is obviously he came through at a very young age and then made the move to Hearts. And at that point, a lot of Scottish young players seem to stall and stagnate in their career and they don't ever really fulfil their potential. I've seen that with so many players in Scotland and yet he's started to make that step up again, which I think is very encouraging. And there's obviously a lot of talk about Scott McKenna at the moment with um, Celtic making bids for him and him being introduced into the Scotland team. Well, I think John Souter is as good and maybe even in terms of his potential, maybe even better than Scott McKenna. So delighted to see him in the Scotland team. And those two players are the, the kind of centre-backs I think Alex McLeish should be looking to the future to build around Scott McKenna and, and John Souter. It's now or never for Motherwell. 
bigger Romano. Time to talk about the game of the season so far in the Scottish Premiership. Rangers came from behind twice at Fir Park to lead Motherwell 3-2 in a scintillating first half. And then skipper Peter Hartley popped up with an equaliser for the hosts in the last minute of stoppage time. A wee bit more on him later. 3-3 Graham, Rangers have been rock solid defensively this season, but not yesterday. No, and it was the first time that we've seen them really bombarded. Um, by anyone, as you say, Rangers, their whole start of the season has been based on a, on a, on a solid defence. They changed mm-hmm. their formation. They went to a, a 3-5-2, which I think had mixed success. They looked maybe a little bit more open in the final third, and obviously they scored three goals there, and, and they have La- they had Lafferty and, and Morelos up front, but at the back, things were... Uh, uh, Weren't, weren't quite as solid, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, in open play, Gerard made the point that it didn't look like they were going to concede, and I think that's fair. Obviously, the three goals came from a slip from Connor Goldson, which yeah. I have sympathy with him. I can't tell you how dreary it was up here <laughs> on Sunday. I was always slipping on, on the way to the shop, so I can imagine on that Fir Hill pitch, it was fairly, fairly slidey. And then um, James Tavernier... We saw the, the good and bad of James Tabernier within a few minutes with the, the second goal, he loses his man. Everyone seemed to be raging around him, which I think was a, probably an encouraging sign that at Rangers they're kind of trying to pull each other up. And, and then his delivery for the second uh, Lafferty goal was excellent. So it really was just a complete mixed bag for Rangers. Um, some really good moments and then some other not so good moments. Also, uh, Gerard learning his baptism of fire by uh, what happens when you put on a substitute during a corner. Mm. It made total sense, but no Wallace, because he's taller, to defend that. But just a bit of a mess in the box for the, the final goal. I'm sure Rangers fans didn't enjoy it, but it was a really fun watch, the end of that game. Motherwell just throwing everything at yeah. it. Just, just, I don't know where all these units come from. Like a series of tanks patrolling <laughs> into the, onto the pitch. Yeah, Ryan Bowman is a unit, isn't he? And yeah, Salmon is certainly Salmon's bigger massive. than Salmon was yeah. is certainly bigger than he was. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think um, Goldson after that slip, I don't think he ever looked that settled during the game. He looked a bit nervous almost. I think the positioning of the back three didn't help, yeah. but um, he didn't seem quite himself. It was the worst I've seen, and I wonder whether he was a little bit rattled by having these absolute, just huge, like walking Bat- boilers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Does it seem like that on the pitch? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, that was Connor Goldson's introduction to the stereotypical and sometimes unfair, but in this instance, not so unfair, uh, physical Scottish game, if we can call it that. I mean, I know that I know that Motherwell actually bristle at the suggestion that they are a, a physical side, but this game didn't exactly help their case. They basically scrummed the ball into the net uh, a couple of times. Um, but Connor Salmon, Curtis Main, Ryan Bowman, having those three on the pitch, was uh, quite the proposition for Mother One. I would, I would say maybe Connor Golson shouldn't lose too much sleep about it because they are a unique case, Motherwell. There aren't many sides that have three players, never mind three attackers of those kind. The first goal, the first goal was really nicely taken, though. Yeah, a little yeah. tick, sort of little lift over McGregor. The, the the finish is excellent. Yeah, I think the goalkeeper makes the decision easier for him. Yeah. but he still has to finish it. Yeah. It's done really well. There was controversy before a ball had even been kicked. Motherwell captain Peter Hartley had this to say in his pre-match press conference. I think Boyd broke the boy's nose, didn't he? So that was that was fun to watch, the way he was weeping. 
He's talking about the broken nose suffered by Rangers' Fabio Cardozo after the challenge by Ryan Bowman in last season's League Cup semi-final. And he did actually say those words. <laughs> um, Hartley has apologised. And he said his comments fell below what was expected of a Motherwell captain. And then he pops up with a 93rd minute equaliser. It's peak banter years. It's poetic as well, isn't it? It's yeah. lovely. Chris Sutton suggested he should be banned for the game as well. What do you think, Graham? Do you think he should have been banned for this game? I don't think so. I mean, I, I get I get where he's coming from. I think an apology does the, does the trick. I mean, yeah. look, I don't, I don't think his comments... They weren't in good taste, certainly. No. I don't think they were that offensive, really. Um, so I think an apology does does the trick. And as you say, I mean, sometimes I think we in Scotland get a little bit carried away with, oh, you know, Scottish football, the banter years. But Sunday's two main storylines between Peter Hartley scoring late on after everything that had happened and then Dedrick Bayata scoring for Celtic yep. uh, after everything that happened. I mean, I mean it, it was unbelievable. And what an, end, what an end to that match. And you just knew that it was going to be Peter Hartley who, who, who got that goal because obviously he'd missed a chance not um, too dissimilar from the one he actually finished not long bef- before he, the, he put the, the, the one away in stoppage time. So, um, yeah, I mean, fantastic storyline there. I thought it was a touch of class when Stephen Robinson kind of took control of that situation with Hartley's comments and actually phoned Rangers to apologise mm. for on behalf of Motherwell. That's the right thing to do. It's changing room bants, uh, which... You know, you put up with him at the best of times. It's sort of, I don't know. It's, I don't think you should do it. It's, it's not, it's not on, right? Mm-hmm. Doing, doing that. But it's also, on the other hand, quite funny. So it's kind of. I can understand it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can totally understand it. It's and Rangers fans will hate that. Yeah. But I, hopefully, they can see where I'm coming from. It's just it's to anyone in that league, it's sort of a funny thing to say. But in that sort of, as long as they don't ever actually mean it. Yeah, exactly. If it's a joke, it's funny. But if it's not, and it doesn't sound like it, he's sort of laughing about a boy weeping because he got a broken nose. Yeah, and, and even, even Gerard didn't want to talk about it as well when Good. he was asked. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't want to talk about it either. I think it's like like you said, dressing room banter, just leave it alone and play the game. Get rid of all that nonsense. It's so dated. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Motherwell were uh, dead good. They were competitive. Mm. I, yeah. I don't, there was nobody. There was a bite to them, and yeah, they were set up I mean, very well. Robinson said that they were that they were you know should have won the game really. Do you know who um, especially stood out was uh, uh, Gail Bigarimana? He who, was fantastic. He was at Newcastle when he was younger. Yeah. And I thought he was a decent looking player when I saw him play in some sort of. I don't know when I saw him play like a league cup game or something like that. I thought he was tidy. He's also good in football manager, but let's let's move past that. Uh, the his delivery for that uh, the, the free kick that went to the back post it was, lovely. was astonishing, but defendable. Maybe uh, Tavernier lets him go. Like yeah. Graham was saying, like Tavernier's uh, lost his man. He's not taking responsibility. I think Rangers' defence was just a little bit um, nervous, mm. and I really think they were feeling the pressure of these big loons totally going at it. The boy at left back uh, Barisic was outstanding his deliveries as well were just absolute dynamite what a player so much so much danger it throws into that box it causes chaos and he's, he's he looks really fit mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's he's got a lot of stamina I think that's cro- handsome boy Cro- too the Croatian in him isn't he? Uh, Lafferty's movement was fantastic I like that Gerard changed his team set up to cater for Motherwell he expected a difficult game mm. three centre-backs cater for the two that Motherwell were definitely going to play which means they've got a man over they should have more possessions so they should be able to go forwards that's why I think Flanagan was playing right centre-back because then when they go forward Tavernier could go further right and uh, Flanagan could get more advanced mm-hmm. but it didn't really go the way they thought it was Motherwell were right into the game pressed them really well organised and the one two times that they didn't and they sort of dropped off a tiny bit Rangers scored you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. 
League. Celtic secured their second league win of the season with a 1-0 victory at home to Hamilton on Sunday. One away defender Dedrick Boyata started for the boys and Celtic fans held up a banner saying Boyata wasn't fit to wear the shirt. He was booed when he came out and he was booed when he scored the only goal of the game to win all three points for Brendan Rodgers' side. Pretty, pretty damning from the Celtic fans, I would say. A nice, lovely, warm reception for their comeback World Cup star. Bet that made him feel great lining up. Well, I think he... Not only has he, he got had, to deal with Lustig beside him as a centre back, <laughs> <laughs> he does have a lot of it to put in his own shoulders, though, doesn't he? Well, does he, Andrew? What do you think? Well, if, his agent's got a lot to do with this, by the way. His agent. Well, let's just kind of hark back to what's been going on. So, Dedrick Bayata was linked away to oh, Fulham, Fulham, yeah. Fulham for nine, ten million pounds. Celtic were due to play in the Champions League qualifiers. He declared himself unfit to play. Brendan Rodgers said he was fit to play and Celtic are now subsequently out of the Champions League and it's just all caused a whole mess of things. Fans and Brendan Rodgers, it seemed, are against Dedrick Boyata but what has seemed to have happened is Rodgers and Scott Brown spoke with Boyata and there was a coming together and a bit of a, you know, hug and a kiss. That's nice. And they, um, you know, Boyata again. came out. But the thing is... Boyata's got to accept that, I suppose, in a way. Um, but what is a right message to send is the fact that he went out there and he played quite well and he got the winner. He yeah. was excellent. Like He showed exactly what a good player he is. And it wasn't just Fulham he was linked with. I mean, there's Lazio's after him, there's Sevilla apparently were really keen. Mm-hmm. So you can see why maybe he'd, he'd get paid more money if he goes away. He wants to play at a high level and he uh, a higher level. So maybe the top five leagues. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diss our wonderful league, but La Liga is a higher quality. Of, uh, football and uh, if Boyata can get a move to somewhere like that I don't think you should hold it against him that he wants to do it maybe he went about it in the wrong way it's weird with this fitness stuff because how can we possibly know if he's actually fit or not it sounds like Rogers kind of I don't like the phrase threw him under the bus a bit but then saying oh he's fit to play mm-hmm. is really uh, it's, that makes it difficult for him and then suddenly oh it's fine now we've got to have him Rogers is kind of going well I've got no other options I need to have him in Jack Henry's injured now Simunovic was injured as well mm-hmm. was he mm-hmm. Well, he is Celtic's best defender. By far. Yeah, you play your best players. One of the best players, Yeah, I would say. Let's talk about uh, the game that everyone will be talking about in Scotland this week. It's Celtic versus Rangers at Celtic Park on Sunday. We're delighted to be joined now by Jonathan Northcroft from the Sunday Times. Jonathan, this is arguably the most anticipated Old Firm derby in years. Um, would you say that applies not just in Scotland, but in England as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the interest by the standards of, of English in, in, in Scottish football games is going to be enormous. I mean, I say that by the standards because everyone's still obsessed with the Premier League, but eyes will definitely be on that game on Sunday. I think, you know, Brendan Rodgers going a couple of years ago up the road did sort of refocus people in England on Scottish football a little bit, but Steven Gerrard's arrival has taken that to another level. Do you think this could be quite a passionate old firm, more so than previous ties? This it certainly seems like Celtic are vulnerable compared to previous games, and and obviously the rise of Steven Gerrard, the manager. What do you think about all the components? Well, I mean, I mean, they're absolutely all there, aren't they? Um, the, the fact that, that that Celtic, even though you look at the league table, Celtic, you know, obviously point ahead Rangers, but have started the season a lot worse, really, in reality. Uh, and that, that, that Gerrard's managed to get some early momentum, um, plus the, the, the fact that there's been, 
you know, great off-field stories and involving both clubs. Um, that, that sort of brews it all up. But I think the biggest factor is going to be Gerard himself because the, the Gerard I think of, um, is an, you know, he, he's some competitor. He was always, the juices were always flowing at the, the, the most seriously when he had derby games or, or big games. You know, aside from what he did in, in finals for, for Liverpool, what he did against Everton was, was incredible. His, his record in Everton games was amazing. And then I think about his, his last match against Manchester United when he basically lasted 38 seconds. And if you remember, came on the pitch as a substitute, tried to uh, amputate Ander Herrera's leg and, and, and sent off after 38 seconds. So he's, he's just... He, everything about the old firm uh, scenario will, will get Gerard going. And I would expect that to be reflected in his team. What do you think of Steven Gerrard, the manager, then? Because obviously he's so competitive as a player, or he was, but how do you think he's taken to life in management? I've been really impressed, actually. Um, his personality was always always going to be a big part, I think, of, of his management. And, and the way he was able to influence people on the pitch as a player, I can see that, I can see that already, the, the kind of standards he sets competitively, I can see that. But I think he's also been pretty shrewd, um, just yeah. in terms of the management side of things. I look at his recruitment, I think it's quite good. Um, He's he picked up some experienced players who will have no problem fitting into different challenges of Scottish football, but he's also picked up some talent. So I think, I know he's probably been helped a little bit by Mark Allen and others at Rangers, but I think he's recruited well. That side of it's been good. And to me, so far, he, he doesn't look like a, a kind of dogmatic coach. You know, what? always make the comparison with Lampard, but Lampard started with Derby um, quite well, but he's trying to you know, impose a particular brand of football that's not going to change whoever he, he plays against. Whereas I can see Stevie already trying to do different things in different games. I know it didn't work against Motherwell particularly, but I can see him, he, he, he's been quite pragmatic as a, as a coach and to succeed in Scotland with all the different challenges that are thrown at you, I think you have to be a little bit pragmatic. Even Rogers has had to be pragmatic. So I've, been, I've been impressed with Gerard so far. I think with a lot of interest on Gerard, there's there's equal amount of interest on Brendan Rodgers and, and and what his situation could be at Celtic this yeah. season with the bigger competitiveness from Rangers. How long do you maybe see Brendan Rodgers staying at Celtic? While it's going well, I think he'll stay. I think I think if, if it's going well enough for him, I think he would stay. Get try and get that ten in a row and all that kind of stuff because he does have this sense of. Of um, you know, he sees himself as, as a. <laughs> I'm trying to be slightly diplomatic here. But you know what I mean about Brendan. He's got that messiah thing about him, and I think the 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 idea of of, of being um, you know the statue outside Celtic Park and all that kind of stuff for getting ten in a row. I, I think he would love that, and and that actually would 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 appeal to him enough to keep it, even if they're great offers from from down south. But the test for Brendan Rodgers, and this is what I saw at Liverpool. Is, is what happens when things start going against them. It, it, you know, what was a brilliant managerial reign actually turned into, you know, very, very, very quickly turned into a very troubled one at Liverpool because of adversity. And if I, I'm just, I was looking at the fact of Gerard going up to Scotland and taking on Rodgers head to head, given how well he knows Rodgers, and it just made me think from the start that, that, that Stevie must a think that he can beat. Brendan, and secondly, he must think that if he can put pressure on Brendan early on, 
in his reign, then that might be where there's a, a sort of chink in the armour. So the way the season started, um, of the few days of the transfer window still to go, you know, again, if he doesn't get what he wants in the, in, in the, in the last few days, that might create a bit more kind of stress and pressure. And then if, 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 if Gerard can pull something off on Sunday, that's, that's really when I think it gets very interesting for, for Brendan itself. First thing that might be on their minds is obviously both of them have testing ties um, in the Europa League on Thursday. Um, and Rangers have probably got the hardest of those with, with travel in mind. Um, Celtic coast Sadova yeah. of Lithuania, um, with that being 1-1, so Celtic having the advantage. And Rangers have got a 1-0 lead, um, but they have to go to Russia. You know, what will be telling in those games leading up to the old firm? Yeah, I mean that, that is that is a really difficult one for Rangers. That that that, that puts a that does put a span on it. I think from what I know, Ufa are are, are fish at home, pretty physical, pretty robust. Maybe play a little bit like Motherwell did at the weekend. That's that's not going to be a game that you can have a moment's rest in. Uh, where Celtic do have a, a much easier, winnable tie at home. So that that is in Celtic's favour, no doubt about that. Um, and I guess an issue for Rangers has been so far last in the pacing games, hasn't it? With mm-hmm. that glorious late equaliser Aberdeen got in the mm-hmm. first uh, uh, round of fixtures, and then then at the weekend. So that'll be a test. You know how how, how well can they deal with the intensity of, of of Sunday after after that trip to Russia? I suppose it's so important that we see both Rangers and Celtic in Europa League this season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, 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 it really does, you know, especially if, I'm, if you're talking about the reputation of Scottish football, yeah. then it's massive for that. Um, I think if, if that happens, given Aberdeen did, did pretty well against Burnley, I think it would help the resurgence. But it's just, it is just important for the game as well, isn't it? It's, yes. it's, it's important, I think, also for the managers. And if, if, if keeping people like Gerard and, and, and Brendan Rodgers in Scottish football is an issue, then you know they've got to have that European dimension, I think, as well, to excite them. Two of last season's top four met at Easter Road on Saturday. Aberdeen took the lead on the stroke of half-time through defender Tommy Hoban's first goal for the club, but Hibbs replied late with substitute Jamie McLaren striking four minutes from time for a share of the spoils. From one hip striker to another, we welcome Tam McManus to the Totally Scottish Football Show. It shows the attacking tools that Lennon has um, that he can bring on McLaren off the bench, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think the main problem with Hibs has been Eddie's been struggling with injury since the start of the season. Um, I think you've seen towards the end of last season that him and McLaren were a, were a deadly duo up front. The two of them linked up very well together. and It's been a problem for Hibs that Kimberley's not been fitting. They've had to play Boyle through the middle. Obviously, McLaren eh, came off the bench and got the winner. So to get those guys back fit and firing again is very important for Hibs. What did you make of the game um, as a whole? I thought Hibs were really good at attacking, but just didn't really create any proper scoring chances. Yeah, I think it's always difficult when you're playing against Aberdeen. Um, but they're usually pretty tight at the back. And when they go 1-0 up, I think they've done it last season, they, they start banging on the centre-halves by the dozen. Yeah. Um, it was always going to be difficult when Aberdeen get the first goal. I think obviously the, the refereeing performance from Andrew Dallas has kind of overshadowed the whole game because uh, two two penalty calls, I mean, two stonewall penalties. I think Boyle's is, is a penalty. You can see maybe why he's not given it. Um, Boyle maybe goes down a little bit easier, but for me it's a penalty and 
I mean, the one on Lewis Ferguson and Hanlon is just the biggest home we ever see. McKenna said the referee abdicated responsibility. It's a great line. Well, the thing is, he, he must have seen the Lewis Ferguson incident. Mm. So if Ferguson goes by the last man, which when, was... When was this? Is it no no? Yeah, no no. It's in the first half. And Lewis Ferguson gets into the box. He runs ahead of the striker and he gets in, um, pokes the ball just ahead of him. Hanlon <laughs> swings and sl- is slightly late and then just scythes down Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And you're going, oh, that's a penalty. Good. Let's just see what happens now. Oh, no. It's a goal kick as well. Mm. So uh, the, the linesman can see it. The referee isn't far away. And um, it's very odd that he doesn't give it, you know, I don't know what he's seeing there. And they should have VAR and that would be a definite penalty. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and I don't think we should have VAR in Scottish football. It'll take week to see any game out <laughs> <laughs> Lennon seemed to change his shape later on in the game as well as Hibbs put the pressure on Aberdeen what do you think of Lennon's approach to the, the game as a whole I think it's, it's always the same with Neil Lennon uh, with Hibbs they're, they're a very entertaining team to watch Neil Lennon will always go and try and win the game I mean he got a bit of stick for it uh, I think last week or two weeks ago against Mould away from home where he, where he goes with the two strikers and they, and they get a down 3-0 but that's always the way he's going to play. He's going to go and attack teams. He's going to play two up front if he can. And and, and the likes of Horgan, as you said, he, he can play. He played predominantly uh, at Dundalk uh, on the left of a three up front, but he can play in behind a main striker, as you said, in the ten row. And I think he's he's a really talented player, and dangerous uh, when he's on the ball. Who else has been quite exciting for you um, at Hibernian this season? Uh, I think Ryan Porteous, obviously a different yeah. end of the pitch. Yeah. Um, I've seen Ryan Porteous. I mean, Hibs fans will rave about him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not often that Hibs bring through a, a top-notch centre-back. As I said, it's usually always kind of forwards they bring through, but Porteous has been a standout. I actually seen him last season uh, in the Youth Cup final against Aberdeen at Hamden. And uh, it was like a man playing against boys. All these guys were the same age, but he just, it was like a colossus at the back. He strolled through the game. And uh, I think he's a very promising player for Hibs at the back. I think they'll, they'll try and get him uh, tied up on a longer-term mm-hmm. deal. Give us a give us a prediction then, Tam, for this season. Who's going to finish higher, Hibs or Aberdeen? Eh, uh, oh, it's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for Hibs. Uh, I'll tell you why. I think they've got more goals in them once they get their strikers fit. I think Aberdeen are more solid at the back, um, but I just think Hibs have got more goals. I think they'll still there's still a couple of players. I think they'll try and bring in the Scott Allen one has never went went away uh, for the last I don't know six weeks. <laughs> He's rumoured to come back to Hibs. And I think mm. if you get him in as well. Uh, and just try, try and show it up at the back, then I think Hibs have got more goals in them, uh, and I think they'll finish higher. Hibs were a lot better than Aberdeen, but that is because Aberdeen sat deep and really defended way too early, I think. Mm. It's a very pragmatic approach. They were playing with like a six across the back. I mean, it's only Hibs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that time to look around all the grounds, and it's our man Craig Anderson with the headlines from the Championship, League One and Two. Ian McCall's Air United finished the month of August as top dogs in the Championship after a comfortable 4-1 win over Dunfermline Athletic in front of just over 2,500 spectators at Somerset Park. The honest men got the best of starts over the pars when Alan Forrest struck after only five minutes to give the crowd some early joy. Then he added a second on 37 minutes before Lauren Shanklin netted his third league goal in three games to put Air 3 up without reply by the break. Jackson Longridge scored in the second half to reduce the gap to two, but Michael Moffat's finish nine minutes from time secured the points as the League One champions claim victory. While Shanklin is a player that's generated some transfer interest, Stephen Dobby continued to show them how it's done as he netted a hat-trick to get the points for Queen of the South in a 3-0 away win at Falkirk. 
the former Rangers and Blackpool striker, in his second spell with the Dunhamers, rolled back the years with two in the first half and a third on 75 minutes to pell the misery on for Paul Hartley's side, now bottom of the championship with zero points and yet to score at home. In League One, Wraith Rovers came from 3-1 behind the Airdrie Onings to snatch victory at the Excelsior Stadium, with Liam Buchanan bagging a hat-trick. Yao Victoria and Dale Carrick had Airdrie two up by the break and looking good before Buchanan got one back on 56 minutes. Rovers were down to 10 men as Ian Davidson was shown a red card with Victoria second looking like sealing the points for the home side. However, a late surge spearheaded by Buchanan turned the game around when he got another back on 87 minutes followed by Kevin Nisbet a minute into stoppage time and Buchanan completing his treble at almost the last kick of the game. Arbroath remained top though following their 3-0 win at East Fife thanks to goals from Thomas O'Brien, Ryan Wallace and Danny Denham. It leaves East Fife still at the bottom with only a point while Arbroath have taken 7 points from 9 away from home as they stay on top 2 points ahead of Wraith. There was extraordinary scenes at Borough Briggs, home of Elgin City, who saw their League 2 game with Cowden Beath called off. A section of the pitch suffered a nine-week drought due to lack of rain that caused concern for match referee Gavin Ross, despite three games being played on there so far this season. Elgin chairman Graham Tatters told BBC Scotland there's no real growth, the grass is going brown and there's gravel left from sand that was down there. But I can't make it rain. Speaking of droughts, Albion Rovers are still without a league goal in League 2 after going down 2-0 at Queen's Park at Hamden. Curtis Roberts and William Mortimer were on target for the Spiders while Rovers saw Barry Ellie dismissed on 50 minutes. Peterhead and Annan occupy the top two places in the fourth tier after good away wins at Stirling Albion and Berwick Rangers respectively. In the Highland League, Fort William were beaten 8-2 by former time on Saturday. But that's actually their best result of the season so far. The Fort are currently bottom of the league with a minus 52 goal difference. And there's far more to it than that. Ian Ferguson, the editor of Lockaber Life, joins us now. You've been writing about the team for 20 years, Ian. Fort William have lost a couple of games, 11-1 and a couple of games, 10-0. They were bottom of the league last season as well after failing to win a game. Why is this happening? Well, why indeed? I don't think anyone can answer that question. The guys do very, very well. They turn up every Saturday, they get gubbed. They come back the next Saturday, get gubbed again, and it just goes on and on, and that's up the spiral. And every time they score a goal, it's really like winning the World Cup, because they get <laughs> very excited about it. Uh, no wonder, too. I mean, no, no particular reason. They try very, very hard. They go to training twice a week. Just unlucky most of the time. Where are all the good players? Do they get nicked to, I was going to say, maybe go to somewhere like Lossie, somewhere near enough, because Fort William's quite, um, I'm sure everyone listening to this has been to Scotland, but Fort William's quite, not remote, but it's difficult to get to from certain places. Where do all the decent players go to? If you look at the Highland League map, Wick is at the top, Fort William's at the bottom, and between us, that's maybe about 200 miles, which is about five hours driving uh, from Fort William. They have a whole load of junior teams going from under-15s up to under-17s. And they are the polar opposite of the big team, if you'd like to call them that. And they are winning all their matches 10 nothing, 13 nothing, 12 nothing. Uh, and it's a very, very strong youth side that comes through into the, uh, the first team. But after that, it just seems to, well, it just sort of goes to pieces a bit, I suppose. Fort William is the biggest town in the Highlands, given that Inverness is now a city. Uh, with a population of 16,000, 20,000. 
lots and lots of very keen young footballers here, obviously, as is demonstrated by the, the Fort William uh, junior sides. But a lot of them then go off to play Shinty uh, or other things mm. uh, when they get older. And plus, when they get to 16, 17, they might well be sort of other attractions in their lives. And, uh, and they sort of lose interest. A lot of the lot of the present team comes from like Inverness and various other places, hmm. and believe it or not, people queue up to join the football team uh, for some reason. In the past, there've been players come from Sky, from Inverness. Even a goalkeeper came from Spain. He'd seen for William on uh, on the internet and decided that was the team he wanted to play for. So he came over all the way from Spain, worked here just to play. And that goalkeeper grew up to be David De Gea. The uh, <laughs> CM, is there a big difference in financially between the teams in the Highland League? And I know there are some teams at the top who have players who are paid to play. Um, do Fort William yeah. are they entirely amateur, or are they paid players? Is yeah. it is it a massive gulf between yeah. them? There is just a, there is a huge gulf. You've got people. Uh, at the top, such as Broader Rangers, they're more or less owned by a local businessman, and the players get paid very, very well yeah. uh, for doing that. Whereas the Fort William players really, you would really have to say they do it for love because there's <laughs> no money in it. <laughs> uh, in fact, the, the last committee, um, he, he just sort of gave up. They always said they'd only be there for a wee while anyway. They were often putting their hands in their pockets to keep things going. Hiring a bus to go to work is not a cheap thing. No, it's a fair journey. No chance of an oil guard coming in to sponsor you guys now. Well, uh, we we keep hoping. I always say that if I win the lottery, I'll help out Fort William. Um, Ian, could you talk to us a little bit about the organisational side of things? There was um, we found out that um, the club had been deducted nine points for fielding an ineligible yeah. player um, for three games, um, meaning they might even fail to get zero points. Can, how difficult is it for the team to operate? Well, it's very difficult. Everyone is a volunteer. Their clubhouse is what used to be called the, the Newton Club, which involves uh, the two juniors sort of club. It's really a, a wooden shed with, with a bar. Uh, and it's got a flat roof, which is not a great idea in St. William. And uh, over the summer, even during the exceptionally good weather, the, the new team of directors and volunteers were all inside, ripping out the club, making all this uh, watertight, doing it. They're just so dedicated. I can quite understand if there's a paperwork mistake. I am chairman of other clubs. Uh, here is not football clubs, but other clubs. I mean, goodness me, it's taken me four months to change the, uh, the signatures on the bank account. So I imagine... Working your way through the Highland League paperwork might be quite a problem. And it's, it's, there's a lack of consistency in it. Just a genuine mistake, even I would imagine. I don't imagine they'd be trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes or, or be deliberately uh, uh, dishonest. I think it was just a genuine mistake. That's a shame. Can I ask you one more? Um, you said, yeah. uh, you said um, when for, uh, Fort William scored a goal, it's like winning the World Cup. What happens when they win? It is. <laughs> well, I have to come to that party. That's <laughs> happened for a wee while, but I mean, uh, I had a nice. Well, when was it? It must be three or four years ago, anyway. I had a, a fabulous picture in the dark, and we did actually win. And Matthew's on his knees, and all the boys, all the boys are jumping on him, 
And it's great to see them being happy because they certainly deserve to win now and again. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this. This oh. is awesome. Listen, I think the next time uh, Fort William score a goal or get a win, we should have you back on the show. What do you think? I think you should. The trialist on Saturday, that was his first time with the club, Alan Kerr, and he scored two goals. And if anyone out there, wherever you are, would like to play for Fort William, and if you're good, then <laughs> drop the line. We'd be more than welcome to hear from you. Fantastic. Oh, it is. Listen, if if you're actually around the area or nearby, or if you're like that Spanish goalkeeper that wants a, wants a game for, for Fort William, just get in touch with us at The Totally Show on Twitter, and um, we can try and sort you out. It's a real league. It is a real league. Like, I know, it's, it's proper. There's some good, good players in yeah. that league, honestly, and they could quite easily play in the, the actual pyramids, Scottish football. Yeah. yeah. I would love to go up and do it, right? But I know I'd think I can do it until I get on the pitch, and then some. Because I know some people who play yeah. in Highland League, and they're much better at football than I have ever been. Well, well, <laughs> could you could you do it on a rainy Tuesday night in Fort William? Oh, that's how I learned. Well, not Fort William. But yeah. <laughs> the, the altitude, you know, it'll put me off. On Spotify, smart speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Yeah, I hope we'll be happy with the start this side of mid. Here's Lawless. There's Lithgow. And that's 2 0. Oh, Gary Holt will be in dreamland at the moment. Well, elsewhere in the Premiership, St Mirren 0, Livingston 2. What a start for Gary Holt. What a start for Gary Holt. It is not going very well for um, his opposite number, Alan Stubbs. 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 No. Livy were actually really good in this game. And they look renewed. They were playing with a hunger. They were up for it, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's the, uh, the non-journalistic yeah. word. Yeah, they were up for it. I think they wanted to impress their new manager. He let the assistant choose the team. Yeah, uh, uh, David Martindale. That's the one, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All my research, that's the name I don't have yeah, written he, down. Yeah, I think he, he kind of was like, you pick the team and I'll just watch. And so it was pretty much almost saying to the players, go out and play for your place. Prove yourself. Yeah. And they were good. They won the ball in good areas. They they pressed in numbers. It was a proper like you know a pack press. So they were really mm. that's not a real phrase. I've just made it up. I like it. Yeah, like pack wolves press. Um, yeah. or lions. And they were hunting just for the ball in different areas of the pitch, picking them off easily off St Mirren. The goals that St Mirren conceded, like Alan Stubbs was a defender. So you'd mm. think he was going to be good at coaching anything. You'd hope it'd be a defence. Now it's obviously done by a, a team as a unit. And he's gone with a four four two this time. Going away with his his back five or back three, which is normally a back five. Put in his new sign in Hodson, they were just taken apart um, really easily. With well, I think St Mirren's game plan is to get the ball forward somehow. In fact, <laughs> that's it. Honestly, because <laughs> at the end get, of the game, that <laughs> was funny. And there's I saw some highlights of after it as well. And uh, Alan Stubbs says we didn't defend well. This is the reasons for them losing. We didn't defend well. And then a little graphic comes up saying zero shots to eight on target. Mm. You know, eight being Livingston. And then he says, and we didn't hold it up or win enough second balls. So that's his strategy. His strategy is to knock it long, take it down, win the second ball. That is dice roll football. McMillan, he's going to set Tony Watt away. Coker trailing him. What with the first touch, the second is decent. And the third with the left foot is the finish. He's on a fine goal scoring run, it's Tony Watt. St Johnston won, Dundee nil. Tony Watt with his fifth goal since signing for the Saints in the summer. I'm happy for him. Tony Watt. It's a good goal. It was a good goal. Took it very, very, very well. well. Right, I think he controlled it with his right and finished with his yeah. left. Nothing ball up, ran onto it, controlled it. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Take that apart as well. Dundee are pish. 
<laughs> Aye, there's they are. Oh. And uh, Neil That's... McCann has said so. He says it's mistakes every time. He says it's mistakes, individual mistakes, and he's right. It is mistakes. <laughs> they cannot score. I think they could play forever and they wouldn't score. Our friend Mendy, who didn't play as a central striker this time, he played in the left. His approach play is excellent. Mm. It's good movement, good control, he can run with the ball. But his finishing, he, <laughs> he passed it to the keeper from a, during one bit of play. I remember, right, I remember, you remember, maybe you remember this, but I think it was in FIFA 98, the video game. There was this rumour going around that you couldn't score with Harold Bratback because they coded it <laughs> so that he would always shoot wide. I think that's what's happened to Mendy, but in real life. Someone's, wow. he's, we're in the matrix, and yeah. this is the proof that it's broken because men, until Mendy scores, and then none of us will ever wake up. So we'll not know if I was right or not. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday after Celtic versus Rangers. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football show with James Richardson. Mm-hmm.